Has OKC done enough to improve? How will Chris Paul fit in Houston? What does every other free agent move mean to the NBA? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. And we're also simulcasting this on YouTube. So, as always, we are joined by Coach Dave Dufour uh, on a Sunday with a lot of things to talk about on this July 4th weekend. I hope you guys are all having a nice time with your families and relaxing out there. I know it's, it hasn't been so easy for me. I don't know about you, Dave, but certainly it's been a lot of crap to have to go through and look at. So, how is it going with you so far? No, it's been a great weekend. Um, you know, obviously NBA free agency has been, you know, pretty extreme. Although, I mean, maybe maybe not extreme is the word. Friday night was pretty extreme, but the, it's been mild since then. Uh, and uh, yeah, just relaxing, man. Trying to take advantage of this of this long weekend before I head to Vegas for summer league. Yep, that sounds about right with me as well. So uh, fresh off of seeing Baby Driver, and now I'm ready to get in the driver's seat and do this podcast with you. So I suppose the place we should start is the most surprising move of them all so far, I think, would be the Paul George trade to OKC, which was a shocker. I mean, I think that you know a couple people had mentioned something about it like in the week before, but not a lot of uh, press on that one. So what is your initial impression uh, of this trade? Well, you and I, you and I talked a little bit about it. We thought it would be a worthwhile risk for Oklahoma City, uh, based on you know trying to keep Russ around, right? Like they, he has an extension out on the table. I'm assuming mm-hmm. that he needs to sign, and if he doesn't sign, then there's a good chance they move him. Well, if you're OKC, you want to do everything you can to keep him there, and if bringing Paul George in, even if it's just a rental, uh, you know that that's that's a swing worth taking. But the the other side of this move is that they got off of that Oladipo contract that they signed you know, him to an extension to last summer, four years, $21 million, and they were, they were capped out before this trade. And now, let's say, let's say they have to trade Russ, and they, they probably would then trade Paul George. Uh, they go into next summer with quite a bit of cap space. So Presti really did a, a fantastic job on this trade. Uh, okay, that's interesting. Oh, okay, and then for sure, as far as the Presti side, yes, it's a no-brainer either way. Uh, they didn't give them, somehow Indiana came away with a deal that did not get them a draft pick at all. So you're right, we did talk about this a little bit before, but certainly, um, yeah, it, it's a very strange trade. They could have made that trade next week if they wanted to uh, and waited to see what the Gordon Hayward situation was going to play out to be uh, whether and how that way it worked with Paul George. And so just very head-scratching to say the least. But let's look at it as far as how it works on the court because I don't know if we've done a lot of uh, you know analysis on that end. Uh, I've been digging into the footage a lot uh, this morning to do a video on this, and so you know what I've noticed is, and here's the thing about Paul George. I started tweeting about earlier today that I thought was fascinating is that uh, he is a very rare bird where his most common action that he uses is off screen. And I couldn't find anybody in the top 15 or 20 top scorers who have that as their number one option. And he does it like 17.5% of the time. I don't think any of those guys do it more than 8 or 9. I think maybe Steph was like 10-something. I can't remember now in that range but or 11. But, uh, you know, it's certainly not as high as 15, 16 where he was at 17. So uh, that was kind of fascinating to me. And I think I kind of missed that looking over Paul George the last year or two and how he scored. Yeah, he, he should be great off the ball next to Russ. And then the other benefit is, you know, if they stagger their minutes, you've got a guy who, when Russ is on the bench, hopefully can keep the team going at, at a pretty high clip. I mean, I, I love this for Oklahoma City. I still think, you know, it's going to be interesting what they do with Robertson if they're going to bring him back. 
and I think they, they probably will. And um, he's probably regretting not signing that four-year, $48 million extension last summer. Um, but, uh, you know, they have an interesting team. I'm not sure yet who's going to start for them. You know, the Rudy Gay rumors are are interesting. But, you know, is he a starter there? Like, how's he going to look coming off the Achilles injury and whatnot? But you know at least three of those guys is Russ, Paul George, and Steven Adams. And that's actually a pretty good place to start. Uh, I was looking at that, too. We were talking this on DM as far as, like, what that starting lineup looks like. Okay, now, Rudy Gay is almost a necessity if they have any hope of keeping Russell Westbrook. Because, obviously, if they're going to try and go to war in the West with uh, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and you're talking about having, like, maybe re-signed Robertson, uh, Adams, and, like, Jeremy Grant, uh, you know, Doug McDermott. Like, I don't even know who that fifth starter is going to be. Maybe Ferguson is, is what some people were saying. I can't imagine starting a rookie uh, who a, a quote unquote three and D rookie who isn't really good at threes or D. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do that or not. I, right. I think you need some D league done. Yeah, exactly. And so it's certainly not going to be a recipe for success. Cause I had people yelling at me like, Oh, like I, I thought maybe fifth or sixth, they could be, you know, in the West at best. And people are thinking that I was hating on them or whatever. I'm like, there's no way with this team right now. I don't think there'd be any way they'd be higher than fifth or tops. Maybe six because of that. Although, then you start looking at it and like what the list is, and obviously the Warriors, Spurs, and Rockets, that's the three. Um, and then, like, okay, well, then who is the fourth and the fifth then if they, let's say they're going to be sixth? So, um, you know, I don't know. Who, who's above them at this point then? I don't know. You know, a lot of people are, are jumping on the Minnesota bandwagon right now. I still need to see it. Um, you know, Teague, Teague is great, he can play off ball, but uh, this is a team that was horrible, horrible on defense last year. Butler and Taj Gibson, you would think, are gonna are gonna help that quite a bit, but they still have you know Carl Anthony Towns and they still have Andrew Wiggins and Teague, who are you know sub optimal defenders. So you know we'll see how that goes. I'm not not completely sold on them yet. I, I think that they're not finished making moves. Um, Denver Denver is really interesting to me. If they somehow wind up with George Hill and Paul Millsap, which apparently is in play, that could be incredible. Um, there's also they they've been talking to Phoenix about taking on Eric Bledsoe. He could also be great there, especially if they get Millsap. I, I really think that Denver is a team to watch. A lot of people are really high on Portland. I'm not as high. I, I think the second half of that season was a little fluky just because of the schedule and whatnot. They were markedly better. I don't think they were as bad. I don't think they're as bad as they were in the beginning of the season, but I don't think that they're as good as they were in the second half of the season. Does that make sense? Yes, I, I, Cortland definitely had a fall off there and didn't look nearly as good. So I think that that, that would certainly be an issue. Uh, I, I'm not sold on Portland. They don't. They haven't done anything except except for get that tenth pick. They need to do something more, don't they? Probably, probably. I mean, you know, like, but good luck. I mean, their their salary cap situation is so bad that there just isn't much that they can do. Right. I, I agree. Right. There's not a lot. They, I mean, they, they, you know, the, it's not even the salary cap as much. I mean, it is that as well. But like, like their assets aren't sort of as, as right, sexy they have no as value. people's. Yeah, they have no value. And so, yeah, it's 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 really tricky for them to do much of anything. And you don't want to give up. Like If you have to attach something valuable to them, like if they have to attach a Minu to get rid of Evan Turner, I don't think they're getting someone back that could be as valuable to them as a Minu is. So. Uh. All right, I don't I mean, even want to give Chief that much credit anyway. Okay, uh, but 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 think about it. I'm saying to this team and how valuable he is to this team. Uh, I'm not saying he's as valuable elsewhere, but 
He's yeah. he's a big part of success that they have. But yeah. but if you think about it going forward, they basically have three guys that that they're building around, and that's CJ Dame and and Nurkic, and then everyone else should basically be expendable, yeah. including Alan Alan Crab, who I actually think look the Alan Crab contract has been much maligned, but in the the NBA wings are gonna look overpaid. He yeah. plays he plays good defense and he shoots threes. That is valuable. It's worth about eighteen million a year for a starter. The question is. Is he a starter? And that's that's what they need to find out this year. He looked good at the end of last year. Yeah, I, I believe, and I, I believe I agree. And also, uh, I think it's the Evan Turner. I think the uh, the Evan Turner effect just put a cloud on it. And he did his best to try and sort of fit in a little bit more, but it just it was you could tell that there was something different from what they had, the potential they might have had, um, you know, with that team and as it was building. And then something changed fundamentally with it. And uh, I don't know if anyone, you know, they're all really nice guys. They're probably not going to say anything publicly, but I have to imagine that uh, it's just it's just not the, the magic. Something was uh, disappeared when they brought him in there. It just doesn't fit with what they want to do. So, but and, and again, he doesn't have any value. I don't think that they can get much at all for him. But um, you know, and what's he getting paid? He's probably getting paid way too much, I imagine as well. Uh, yeah, Evan Turner's making eighteen, and, and I mean, or something around there. And yeah, it's it, that's way too much. He he's not fitting the role that they brought him in to to do. You know, so uh, yeah. I think I think they're obviously looking to move him, but they're going to have to attach some sort of something to get him moved. But uh, so back, all right, back to back to the other moves that have happened. Um, we talked about Paul George a little bit, Chris Paul to the Rockets. Uh, I don't know how how do you feel about it. Well, I did a video and it was a little bit trying to be positive about like how this could work. And I kind of just focused, kept it narrow at the beginning just to sort of look at how they spot up, which would indicate how they could play off the ball. And I used even referenced uh, him playing alongside Darren Collison, which, again, is not any reflection of like what Harden would be like. But it gives you a nice sense of, you know, two point guards out there at the same time. And it, that really worked for the Clippers, I felt like, uh, you know, for that one year that he was there. Um this, I feel like there are uh, there are paths where this could work really well. I, I still feel like in the first two months we're gonna have we're gonna have a lot of possessions where guy, someone's angry and yelling. You know, and it could very well be CP3. Uh, you know, he's the guy who seems to get you know into people's faces. So I think that's gonna be an issue until they figure it out. Not that they won't figure it out. Um, you know, does it make him better? Uh, I mean, I think you could argue that they're better. They're better, you know, from a talent standpoint. I mean, you know, you, you replace CP3 or Patrick Beverly with CP3. The defense is kind of close to being there. And I think the offense obviously is better, but so radically different that I just, I don't know. I don't know if I can get a handle on, on how well this is going to work and whether they're going to compete. What do you think? You know, I, I'm high on it. I, I like the idea. Both of these guys are, are actually excellent off the basketball. Harden shot 38.8% on, on catch and shoot threes. Uh, Chris Paul shot 46.8. They just don't get many opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I think that playing together, they should both get more opportunities for that. The other thing is, I think we'll see Harden's defense go up. His usage should go down. His, his scoring should come easier. And so we'll see him have to step it up on the other end. And by have to, I mean, cause Chris Paul may murder him on the basketball court if he doesn't do it. And so I think that that's a plus. Um, also love the PJ Tucker signing. I, I think that that, their small ball lineup has some real, real potential. Even if they keep Ryan Anderson and playing Ryan Anderson at the five with PJ Tucker, Ariza, Harden, and and Chris Paul. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of scoring on the court. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty high on the Chris Paul move, and I and I think good players typically figure these things out. And you know, look, I, I'm the first one to say that Chris Paul pounds the hell out of the basketball and that that's a problem. But I think that. 
you know, this will be the best player he's ever played with. And I think that that makes a difference. I, I really do. I, I think they'll make it work. Um, and on paper right now, that they're my favorite to be the 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 two seed in the West. Um, yeah, I, I depends I, on those growing pains, though, right? Like the first two months could could be rough. In which case, maybe they're not two seed. Sorry. And so that's the real question. So so the starting lineup is going to be like what we're going to say: Capella, Anderson, Ariza, CP3, and Harden. That's how it is right now. Um, right. Now Daryl Morey is never done, right? So. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. And then off the bench, you're going to have Eric Gordon. You're going to have um, PJ Tucker. Um, who else am I missing? Because they got rid of Lou. It's a good seven. Yeah. I don't know if it's uh, enough. Gordon. Oh, they signed Nene. Right. They signed, re-signed Nene. Which is and good. Then Nene's and then good, they'll fill out go. the bench. What's that? Then they'll, fill, they'll fill out the bench. Yeah, so they got goes. eight. Like, that's a solid eight. I mean, you know, uh, that, that could probably work. And I they, think they still. They still have their biannual exception as well, so they, they still have some money out there to, to, to get some people. Um, yeah, and the, and they still have the, and their trade exception that they created in the Chris Paul trade. So well, we get to find out, by the way, just how popular Chris Paul is because that's right. Obviously, Daryl wanted to create this situation where someone's going to want to go play with these two guys, and that's an interesting question. They also brought over um, uh, the guy from China. Um, uh, Zhu Ki or whatever. Joe? Yeah. Yeah, Joe. That's it. Uh, yeah. Uh, they brought him over. I mean, they signed him to a four-year deal. Now, I mean, whether he's going to contribute or not, I don't know. But that's another yeah. That's another trade piece as well. Yeah. I, me- I I remember going to watch him work out like probably three years ago when he was – he literally was like a buck ten and, you know, six, almost seven feet tall. And uh, and seeing – he's really come a long way, but I, I still feel like uh, he's probably not quite ready to be a contributor. But – We'll see. You know, uh, we'll see. We never know the way the game is going. It's a different game now. It's much more wide open. There's a lot more opportunities for guys who can kind of like get in there and fulfill their very specific role um, without being exposed as much. So um, we'll see. I, I don't know. We'll have to. You know, we'll, we'll see. But either way, it sounds like Moray's going to probably try and get at least one more pro player in there, uh, some sort of bona fide NBA player. But again, it's not. It doesn't quite feel like. Um, I mean, you know, the other question is like, is Paul George and Russell Westbrook some sort of a uh, you know amazing cannot combination that's going to get someone to want to go? I, I don't, I don't know. Which, yeah, by the way, I mean, yeah, if we're talking about alchemy and getting people together, then we got to talk about what's going on in Minnesota with Tibbs. I think he's, I think he's doing his version of the Blues Brothers getting the band back together. <laughs> yeah, he definitely is. I mean, you know, if Derrick Rose goes there on a cheap contract, I don't hate it if he's coming off the bench as a backup. Um, but I don't know if he's going to do that. I mean, I'm saying cheap, 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 cheap contract for Derrick Rose. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Taj is going to bring some, some toughness. I mean, they, they may not be a great team, but they are going to be a bunch of assholes on the basketball court. And that, I mean, that, that's worth something. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, you're talking, well, let's see, well, who are the assholes? And we got Butler, Butler, Taj Gibson, and then you hope. That Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns kind of come along, right? Right. And you, you know, if you had a couple playing, you know, and then I guess I don't know how much Butler and Taj are going to be on the court together the way that they'll stagger the lineups. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's interesting. It's a, interesting. I don't know about that. Hang on. It is. It is Tibbs. I mean, he's going to play those five guys like forty minutes a night. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So. so. So I don't, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, I feel like Taj is going to get. Now, the funny thing about Taj, by the way, it kept popping up. I was going through. Uh, so I wanted to see how, how much better they're going to be. OKC is going to be with Paul George getting those spot up opportunities from a Russell Westbrook drive. And when you watch the Russell drives and kicks, 
I swear to God, I watched the last like 200 of their whatever, 900 misses, whatever it was. Like so many of them are Taj Gibson bricks from 15 to 18. Uh, yeah. It didn't feel that way as much, I guess, watching it live. But like certainly it was like over and over again. It kept being – it was Taj more than anybody. So um, I, I hope he can solve that a little bit because I feel like he's a little bit better as a knockdown shooter from mid-range uh, in Chicago. Well, you know, I think – I don't know, man. I, I like Taj Gibson is what thirty two. I'm bad, man. I'm so bad at just remembering ages, right? Off, oh right no, off no. well, you know what? He's older than than we he's think. He's thirty two. Got it. Yet. He's thirty two. Okay. He just turned thirty two. Man, finally got one. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know. So I, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, Taj Gibson is who he is, and and we'll see what sort of opportunities he even gets. I mean, there there is only one basketball, and there's a lot of guys on there. I mean. We know Andrew Wiggins is going to want to score. We know Jimmy Butler is going to get his. Carl Anthony Towns is going to have a lot of plays called for him. So it might be that Taj is only getting like five or six six shots a game that aren't putbacks. So um, I'm not too worried about that. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah, I mean, certainly in that situation. And that's probably his best role. Give him a couple of post-ups, maybe a couple of pick and pops, uh, and then whatever he can clean up as garbage man is fine. Um, I, I feel like Gorgie Jing is going to probably end up being uh, not in the rotation if uh, Taj works out in any stretch of the imagination. That's an expensive guy to have sitting on the bench doing nothing. And he's making 16 mil a year. Does he and have any value? I don't know. You know, I, like I'm kind of surprised they didn't try to put him in that in that trade to the Bulls, and maybe they did, but I, I just think hanging on to him, it, it just I don't know, man. I, I don't know a lot of teams that would be going after him. Right, and I'm not even going to say 60 million is like exorbitant in this at this point with where the uh, salary cap is, but um, it's certainly for a guy who might not play in theory. Uh, that much now I people in Minnesota were trying to get at me on Twitter to tell me how much better he's improved as a shooter and he started to get behind the three-point line but I just feel like no matter how good of a shooter he's ever going to be his man will simply never um, guard him out anywhere beyond the 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 paint so it won't matter and and so like I don't even know he'll be good enough to make him pay no and probably not I mean again just I don't know I I just think that their cap situation is is looking messy at the moment, um, and, and I mean just think about this: if they didn't if they didn't re-sign uh, Gorgie Dyang, they would have been in on Millsap, and that's that's a game changer for that team. Oh yeah, Paul Millsap would have been fantastic for them. I thought that would have been a really great pickup. In fact, Paul Millsap is great for anybody that wants to pick him up. So it's almost a fill, you know a catch-all for everybody. So uh, yeah, now where where are we with Paul Millsap right now? I forgot where we got landed with him. So Paul Millsap uh, still hasn't signed with anyone. Um, he is, I believe he he's met with Denver. I think Denver right now are the favorites to sign him. And I love, the, I man, I love the fit there in Denver. I think he could be great. He's almost exactly what they need in that four spot next to uh, Nikola Jokic. He can help protect the rim. He can switch on on a pick and roll. I mean, I just think it'd be great. And if somehow George Hill, who's also rumored to be going to Denver, if, if if George Hill also winds up there, man, those are two guys that fill huge holes for them. Good defenders. Uh, Hill can play on or off the ball on offense. Millsap can shoot threes, can can really defend. And then they're two veteran leaders for what is a super young team. I, I, I love I love that for Denver. Yeah, well then it puts Moutier in the bench where maybe that's where he's supposed to be at this point. I think Moutier is, I think Moutier is on the way out. I think they're going to put him in a deal and move yeah. him. 
again, someone who doesn't have a lot of a lot of uh, value either. I'd imagine at this point, a poor shooting point guard um, who maybe doesn't really run a team very well. I mean, perhaps he's a shooting guard then at that at this point. Uh, which is, you know, by the way, it's interesting because we were talking about sort of the legacy of certain players. I'm going to do a video on this where we look at like, um, you know, the guys that grew up in L.A. When Kobe was playing, Paul George, uh, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Russell Westbrook, they're all sort of influenced by Kobe by varying degrees. So I kind of want to do a video on that, like, you know, based on region. Like, if they're either, I have to look and see if there's some Chicago guys who were influenced by Michael Jordan. Same with uh, Allen Iverson in Philly. You know, you're going to probably see that kind of influence around. Um, and in, in this respect, it's the same way with, um, oh, my God, what am I, I'm blanking. What were we just talking about? Talking about Millsap in Denver? Uh, and Moutier. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So the idea behind Moutier being a point guard when maybe he really isn't the point guard. And it kind of reminds me of like Russell Westbrook where, you know, he, he's, he's figured it out. He's done. He's, he's running a team. He's a point guard. He's won the MVP. But like I still never understood how he came out of college uh, as a point guard. And suddenly the narrative was he was going to be a point guard having never played it at all. Hardly to UCLA behind Darren Collison and like just decided he was going to be a point guard. And they were like, OK, you are going to be a point guard. That, that's an interesting thing where some a couple of different players I've seen. It probably isn't their best position yet. There's like sitting there trying to hammer that circle into a square. You know, I've argued this about Michael Carter Williams, like his his career, his his NBA career is being ruined by people trying to pigeonhole him as a lead ball handler. It's just not what he is. Right. I think he I think he's better suited as a wing, um, you know, who can cut play off the ball and bring some defense. The problem is he's not playing any defense either. So, you know, like but I think that the the expectations of a guy who is a point guard it's completely different than expectations of a guy who, like I just said, is playing off the ball. And, and I think that the difference is important. You know, it's a, it's a little bit of an easier job and some people aren't suited for this sort of pressure. And, and, you know, there's this, the thing, you know, he won rookie of the year, but that was about the pace that they played at and the league hadn't quite caught up. Like the, the smart people were ahead of the time on understanding pace and the effect it has on statistics. This is sort of like Billy Bean with Moneyball and closers. You know, this idea that you had this stat was kind of empty, you know, the save. And and he would drive up closer's trade value by putting him in situations to get the save. And right. then he would trade him away for huge assets. And this is what Hinky did with uh, Michael Carter-Williams. Yeah. And I, I mean, you know, good for Hinky, But, man, it's just been it's been rough to watch a guy like Michael Carter-Williams and, and who could be a decent player, a rotation player, um, you know, and, and the expectations – from yeah. that rookie year have kind of ruined him. And he's also, he was young, and he's, he's definitely one of those guys that simply, like, I don't think you, you should be competing in the NBA unless you look like you are 20 years old. And he came in the league looking, looking like he was 16, right? And then like, even the next year, he looked like he was eh, 17 and a half. Only now does he start looking like he's at the right age. Like, Austin Rivers was like that. You know, Sean Livingston, even going way back in the day, these guys were just probably just too young. And even though Michael Carter-Williams had some success in, in, in the high-pace offense, you know, you can see right now that it's had an effect on him, I think, psychologically. I feel like his confidence level, he just doesn't look like he believes. And it's, it's tough because you're going to get eaten alive. And they're going to, even if they don't turn the ball over, they knock the ball away. His handle doesn't look as smooth as it should be for a professional guard. And so, and certainly the shooting is not there, which is, you know, so much to do with, you know, uh, confidence, uh, although he never great, had a great shot as it is. But um, right. either way, it's interesting. We keep seeing this sort of a pattern here with certain types of players. And uh, you would hope that at some point somebody could figure it out and, like, get better advice to these players and get better training and help them out so that they don't, we don't keep having the same kind of story over and over. 
I would just like to point out, this is probably the most you will hear about Michael Carter Williams on any free agency podcast, okay. which means that we should probably move on. Right. Well, we will. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, let's see. Uh, let's just kind of, I'll just kind of roll through some and, and you give me yeah. your quick, just two second. Like what do you, I mean, some of these are no brainers, right? Steph Curry going back to the Warriors on a five-year, $201 million Supermax. No brainer. I agree with LeBron. Steph Curry should have gotten a $400 million contract. Um, are you is there? LeBron Same said? page. LeBron said that, and that see, the, this is the kind of stuff that I like. I applaud LeBron for. I mean, I applaud him for a lot, but that's definitely one of the things is that like LeBron gets it. You know, whatever, however he acts towards someone on the basketball court, he has a lot of respect for for Steph Curry off the court, and so you know that that kind of stuff matters. Um, Kyle Lowry going back to the Raptors, three years, a hundred million. I love this deal for the Raptors. Also, uh, while we're there, we're talking about Serge Ibaka because he's also back on a three-year deal. Uh, let's see. His is for three years, $65 million. So a lot less than the max that they thought, you know, everyone thought they were going to have to sign him to. Um, I like these deals for a couple of reasons. First of all, they're both short. They're three-year deals. They didn't lock them in. They didn't lock Lowry into a five-year deal. Um, I'm assuming the last year on both of these deals are player options, which most, both of these guys are liable to take. But I think if you move these deals, they're they're short and they line up with DeMar DeRozan, which means if you wanted to launch into rebuild mode, it's not it's not too far off. It'd be pretty easy to get there. I also am of the opinion that they probably are shopping DeMar DeRozan right now after signing those deals and that they would probably roll out Norm Powell as a starter. Don't quote me on that, but this is just my that's my gut feeling. How do you feel about bringing back the, the gang? You know, I was kind of surprised why Kyle Lowry only signed a three-year deal. It felt like he, he could have gotten a, a four-year deal from another team in a different situation. Uh, you want to tell well, me something? So he, this, is, this is going to a more interesting, bigger point. Now, Drew Holiday re-signed with the Pelicans five years, 125. Okay. Now, but that was never a realistic free agency destination for anyone. And they had to overpay for Drew Holiday. If Drew Holiday had walked, they would have only had $13 million to play with. Now – Drew Holiday is is a he's a good part is a good point guard, um, but because of the their cap situation, they needed to bring him back. They weren't going to improve that position. Now, unless you were going to go ahead and do a teardown, which is you know, they they've only got two years of Anthony Davis left. It's so, he's gone. Um, it's over. Yeah, he's we probably might as well gone. look at it like he's gone because it's the second they they sign this the contract for Drew Holiday, I'm telling you, it's the second that they're, they're going. He's he was he's leaving because they're not going to win as much as he's going to need them to win. Yeah, but so I also think that they should have moved Boogie, but that's neither here nor there. Well, and they might uh, Patty, do that. That's right. Patty Mills re-signed in San Antonio, four years, $50 million, and Jeff Teague signed in Minnesota, three years, $57 million. So the market for point guards, was it got tight, and George Hill is still feeling the pressure right now, probably wishing he had done the renegotiation and extension with Utah when they offered it to him uh, last fall. So Kyle Lowry go, getting $33 million a year is – that's a win for him because he probably wasn't going to get that on the open market. Okay, that's the interesting. Money wasn't. Okay, so and so then, but here's the thing then because he could have gotten four years. Oh, so look, let's just say he got the same. Well, so you don't think he would have gotten thirty-three million from anybody else? No, let's say he got four years, twenty-five. I think that that. I mean, right. JJ Redick, JJ Redick signed with Philly for twenty-three. Okay. Because here's the thing, love, it's yeah. it's like, you know, I, I know they have, these careers are short-lived, you never know what's going to happen, you need to be able to do the best thing for your families and for your bank right. accounts, um, but I, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily feel like this is going to be the recipe to win, 
uh, anything beyond what they've got done every year. They've already hit their ceiling. So I, I, I guess it's nice to see another year having Serge Ibaka back, which uh, is sure. a, really a, a good sign for them because when's the last time the Raptors were able to, you know, you can look at his signing a free agent, right? He, I know he was there for a little while, but they basically, you know, he liked it enough, I suppose. And now they get the full year. And I mean, I think that they, they wind up trying to move Valanciunas. I mean, they've been tr- taking calls on Valanciunas for a year. So, but if they can move Valanciunas, play Ibaka at the five like they like they should, I think they'll be a better team. But, you know, like you, you said, we know the ceiling. But their ceiling is actually – I mean, it's not like they're, you know, the eighth seed. Their ceiling is Eastern Conference – they were in the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. Um, if everyone's healthy, they play Cleveland pretty tough. And, like, think about it. If LeBron, if LeBron gets hurt, they have a really good shot at making right. it to the finals. And I think that there's something to be said for rolling back out there because it's not like they were bad. We do know what their ceiling is, and they're right. not going to get past LeBron. But what if LeBron gets hurt? I mean, he's gonna he is 32 years old. You know, he's yeah. got a lot of miles. And if you're if you're in the wings, I think that's a good place to be. Yeah, now, you don't want to get frog though. I don't know. The solution for the Raptors is they should trade Demar Derozan and they should fire Dwayne Casey. And I think that that would those two things. Would, and then, yeah, let Powell start, and I'm telling you, get some good road to return from DeRozan, and uh, I think they would then that would do it. They would be because I think Cleveland is vulnerable without question right now, and I think that would be something that could vault them if they get the right player or players for DeRozan. Uh, that's what they're missing. That that to me seems like the, a really easy solution. Yeah, I mean, again though, but what's I wonder what the market for DeRozan is like. I you know I was thinking about this earlier today, and again, DeRozan's a good player. He gets you 25 points a night. He doesn't fit on every team. Right. It is an interesting fit, it, and so I'm not sure what the market is for him. There's a lot of teams. Phoenix, Phoenix comes to mind, but Phoenix has decided they're going young. They're gonna they're gonna double down on on the rebuild. Uh, they're a year late on this, but better late than never. Um, you know, d- does LA have any interest in Demar Derozan right now? I don't think so because I think that they're hoping to get Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Now, right. if Russell Westbrook re-ups, the, you know, this week, then maybe they they start you know, calling around about DeRozan, but I don't know. Um, there just aren't a lot of really good fits for DeRozan. And so, you know, the Raptors are kind of in a weird spot where they're, where they're stuck with this good player who's making a lot of money. I mean, he's a good player, so let's not, let's not forget that. And I don't want to be considered a, a Raptors hater. Um, right. I, I, just, a, no, I just feel like the, the, as presently constructed with the coach and the players they have and, and what, who's going to get the most shots, I think we've seen their ceiling. And you're right. There's no shame in being uh, that good, which is, you know, a, a great shot at getting the Eastern Conference finals every year. Uh, you know, and that said, the Eastern Conference is really going to be reeling. I had tweeted almost in jest uh, yesterday with somebody asked me if LeBron goes to L.A., which is not out of the realm of possibility, right? If That's he right. goes to L.A., now you're talking about the, the best 14 players in the NBA are all in the West. Like, I, I jokingly said that Adam Silver, if they had enough time, would have to reorganize the conferences and get rid of them and have them just I be think, 1 through 30. I wish that they would just have the the competition committee convene this summer, which they will, and just go ahead and say, you know what, we want to get rid of conferences. Because, it, I mean, it's going to be a mess. And, and, you know, people have talked about the Warriors upsetting the competitive balance of the league. Really, I think conferences are upsetting the competitive balance of the league because you've got a lot of good teams that get held out of the playoffs because they don't play in the weaker East. And, you know, if you you really want to take a novel approach to fixing some of the problems with the league, I think that's the way to go. And we all think that this is a no-brainer. So it's just time for the league to catch up and go that way. Um, the, the other thing is, you know, what if LeBron leaves next summer and doesn't go 
to the West? Like, what if he goes back to Miami? They, that's what I would – if I was LeBron I, and I was going to leave Cleveland, I would maybe just go to Miami. First of all, great city, right? You've got, you've got history there. Um, you probably wouldn't be hard to attract free agents because, again, great city. Um, and you wouldn't have to deal with the 13 murderers in, in the West. I, I think that uh, you know that kind of stuff should, should come into play. Someone asked me earlier how I felt about Hayward. Like, where do I think he's leaning? Well, I mean, Utah got worse because they lost – they're losing George Hill. The Rubio trade kind of cemented that. I would be looking at Boston or Miami. I mean, it, it would be between those two teams just to get away from all those – yeah, murderers rose over there, it, and it's funny because I'm trying to think of you know the the biggest one of the big uh, drawing parts of Miami is the weather, and it's the only East Coast Eastern Conference team really, right? I mean, I guess Charlotte, Orlando, is nice, uh, or Charlotte, Orlando. Charlotte still has a winter, but yeah. Orlando, I don't know, man. And Give Atlanta, me Miami. Atlanta is not bad, but I think they it gets a little bit chilly in the winter. I think there, right? It does. Yeah, but yeah, so it's but an give me Miami. Yeah, it's weird uh, in that sense. In that, you know, and, and hell, Minnesota shouldn't even be in the West either. They should be in the East, and that would be a, a really interesting thing if they were in the East, where they should be. That would give them a chance to, you know, make the playoffs, develop, you know, those young players quicker. Um, you know, because remember that playing in the playoffs, I think, is one of the biggest uh, developing things that teams could go through when they're young, you know, the young team. And the, without that opportunity, it holds that that development back. It's really frustrating to some of those teams. Uh, you know, at least thank God, at least Milwaukee made it this year because that was a team that missed out. I think the year before, um, and that just delayed a lot of, of stuff. Right. So, uh, so back to the free agents. Uh, let's talk about Golden State briefly. Um, Durant's gonna gonna resign uh, with uh, his the non bird extension, which allows them to give him a hundred and twenty percent raise. I think it winds up being like one point seven million less than his max. So, like this is a no brainer for him because it also allows them to keep keep guys around. They bring back Sean Livingston on a three year twenty four million dollar deal. Only two million of that is guaranteed in the last year of the deal. A great. Great signing for Golden State. They're bringing back uh, Andre Iguodala, three years, $15 million. Really great for Andre Iguodala, who uh, used the Kings to kind of drive up the asking price. Thought it was fantastic. Um, looks like the Warriors have, have basically just kept the status quo. We don't know about Ian Clark yet. I'm assuming I mean, he's going to be gone. Yeah. Apparently the Bulls, Bulls have some interest. Um, I, I mean, they're bring, uh, they re-signed David West for a year, so he's going to play his last season with them. What, what do you think? Uh, what do you think, Golden State? Who do you think they should be looking at as far as like the minimum deal? Obviously, we we're both on board with with bringing in Swaggy. Yeah, on the I think it's going to be it's going to be him. I think that they like him. I think that he's going to like. He's why wouldn't you want to go there? And you know what? It's interesting. He'll be really good there. I feel like. And I don't think he plays that much. I mean, I, I kind of want to check Ian Clark's minutes because he'll probably kind of get some version of those minutes in theory. Um, but then again, McCaw is going to take a, a lot more minutes, I would imagine. So in reality, he he probably doesn't play that that position doesn't even play that much. I kind of want him to get Ben McLemore because I thought that he would be a fantastic fit, and I don't think that he has that much value in the league right now as a free agent. So it's almost like. You know, would he make more than any kind of mid-level exception? No, I think they could probably bring him in on a minimum. I mean, yeah. he, he's he's almost at the point where you could treat him like a reclamation project, which is tough to say about a guy that's only been in the league four years. Like, he's 23 years old, you know. Yeah. And so it's a little t- kind of tough. But I think that he, there will be a market for him, but I don't know what it is. I mean, I haven't even heard anything about him yet, like as far as teams reaching out to talk to him. But he'll he'll hook up with a team. Because a lot of people are going to say, you know, 
they're not going to let the king stink kind of stay on him. I hope now, not, but, you know. <laughs> but I expect McCaw to, to pick up a lot of those Ian Clark minutes. So, I mean, if, if Nick Young comes, I mean, I, I think that during a regular season we'll probably see him play like in that six to nine minutes a game. And right. then he probably won't play in the playoffs <laughs> or anything like that. Um, so uh, let's see. Uh, how do you feel about J.J. Redick? J.J. Redick to the Sixers. For twenty three million for one year, right? It's a uh, yeah. It's a, it's a it's weird. It's it doesn't I think make he listens sense to our to podcast. What's that? I said I think he listens to our podcast because I've been saying you know for for Philly to to throw a big a big short term offer at him because he'd be great. Um, and for him, it's a, it's a nice payday for one year, and then he gets to go back out in free agency when teams should have more money. Like that was the other thing. The the money crunch was real this year. Yeah, he's not going to start, right? Oh, yeah. He, he'll be starting for sure at the two. Yeah. All right. So then they're not going to do. All right. So um, or the, the oh, I guess you can still have Simmons and Fultz sort of. I, you know what I mean? I don't understand. I guess if, I'm uh, assuming it'll be Fultz, Reddick, uh, Covington, Simmons and Embiid. Yeah. OK. Um, that works for me. I mean, I, you know, they'll, they'll certainly Reddick is one of those guys. Yeah. Like you say, like in the locker room, he'll be great for them. Uh, and he's still a great knockdown shooter. Uh, you know, he won't have to do much playmaking, which he got into trouble with a little bit in, in LA when certain guys were injured and he had to sort of be that second or third ball handling guy, which is not his thing at all. So, um, yeah, I know. I mean, listen, he, he'll be a really good uh, acquisition for them. I don't know what the long game here is. I mean, what were you thinking? He just, he's going to go there, get the, get paid a little bit, have some fun with these young guys, and then let some some veteran team pick him up so he can win again? Or, or, or is it- maybe? I mean, I, I think that in the in the short term, you know, getting that twenty three million in one year, I think that's a good that's a good deal for him. Well, by, um, and by the way, where where are they then? It, it, let's just pretend they're all healthy, which I like to. I much rather prefer to look at it that way. If they're all healthy, they're a, that's a that's a the fourth seed, right? I don't know about that. I mean, we, we have to see how how it all fits on the court. I mean, you know, Simmons has yet to play a game. Uh, Fultz has yet to play a game. Embiid played 31 games last year. You know, we need to see him be healthy. I think that, you know, their their ceiling is certainly high. If everything goes according to plan, it's, it's high. But I think it's hard to, to say a team that young is going to be a top four seed. I, I think it's right. really well, difficult. Again, I... Mean, I I choose to believe that, that you know they'll just simply be healthy. And all It'd I can tell you is that when Embiid played in those oh, – it was only 31 games, really? Yeah, 31 know, games. It seems more. When he played, he was so dominant. And he opened up so much for so everybody on both ends of the floor – uh, that if you get seventy some games out of him, I, I don't I don't see how you you don't you win. You should win forty if he plays seventy. Right, I, I'm with you. But again, that's I mean I don't think that that's that's not. I don't think they're anyway. a top four seed. Right. But I mean I I'm all for it. Like I I'm really rooting hard for that team. I want them to do well. I think it's great. Like the league is great when we get young teams that overachieve. I think it's fantastic. Like the Thunder making the the finals in 2012. I, I thought that was really good for the league. And um, I mean, I'd love to see I'd love to see the Sixers get into the playoffs. I think it'd be it'd be fantastic for the league. Yeah, well, so, you know, and if we're talking about um, you know young teams and and, and who's going to play the backcourt, we didn't mention Jeff Teague in Minnesota, right? After we have Taj getting back there, did we? I don't think we did. Yeah, we did. We did. We talked about how he can play off the ball or oh, with the ball. Been, okay, one sentence. Okay, because I, I I don't think yeah. I said anything. But either way, okay. Um, yeah. I don't like it as much as if they would have gotten George Hill, but um, yeah. Yeah. I agree. 
I, I feel like it's I, I mean, I think Jeff T, we've seen his best days. I think we've seen his ceiling. And you know what? He's fine, but it just didn't it didn't sort of raise the level of uh, of competition for me enough where I feel like that's going to get him closer where they want to go. Um, I, yeah, I've got one. for you. I've got a big one. OK, so when the Clippers made the Chris Paul trade, you and I, we talked about this and we were like, well, now what? Now, what do the Clippers do? Do they yeah. do they tear it down or do they re up with Blake and try to build around Blake? And so they are re-signing him to a five-year, $173 million deal. So I guess we know we know what they intend to do. Um, I like Pat Beverly as as the gar as the kind of one there. Uh, I think that putting the ball in Blake's hands more is is good for him. And should be good for that team as, as using him as a playmaker or whatever. It's still a step down from Chris Paul being that guy, but I don't think it's bad. We might get some four or five pick and roll. Uh, Blake's three point shot was looking pretty good toward the end of last year. If he can stay healthy, I think that there's going to be a drop off for sure. They're they're not a top five team in the West. I think they're still a playoff team. I don't know. Am I am I wrong? I mean, I I think they're seven or eight seed, but what do you think? Yeah, no, they're a playoff team, I think, for sure. I mean, they have – Patrick Beverly is good. Now, he's not like a the traditional like sort of lead guard. So, that right, so Blake is going to probably end up doing a lot of that, which I like. It's probably when I'm most happy with his game, when he's sort of not posting up and he's doing some elbow stuff and doing dribble handoffs and getting people involved and then, you know, uh, using his gravity, rolling to the rim and that stuff. You know, then you have DeAndre Jordan, who I guess is staying, right? They're not going to move him. I mean, uh, so you have, um, you know, have a lot of ta- – you have talent. And then they got Lou. Um, and that's going to be, you know, so, so they, they were play they did well. And I thought it was very nice of Chris Paul to like sort of allow them to do that. Right. Like I think he could have just kind of, well, maybe you can give me a little more insight into the, how the, the structure worked. Maybe they need to do it for Houston standpoint as well, but it felt kind of nice to me that Chris Paul said, you know what? I ain't going to come back. I'm going to Houston. If you want, we can do this whole trade thing and you can get something back. Right. You know, it, it was definitely that that's definitely what it was. It was Chris Paul not not wanting to leave scorched earth behind him. He opts into the deal, allows them to make the trade. I mean, now Houston could have cleared the space with no problem. They could have they could have done similar deals. Now, not to just sound like this is all altruism on Chris Paul's part, because he also now they they will have his bird rights. Houston will. He'll be able to sign that five-year deal next summer. They'll be able to exceed the cap to sign him to it. So it wasn't all altruistic, but it wasn't, you know, he didn't just bail and and leave them with nothing, leave the cupboard bare. So, um, you know, it's a win-win situation. I, I think Houston probably will wind up re-signing him to a five-year deal. I wouldn't necessarily want to pay the, the last two years of that deal. But, uh, you know, that's the, the kind of, economics of the league you know and, and that's most likely what will happen absolutely i agree um whoa when my camera just went uh haywire here i'm gonna fix that in a second while we talk so what's okay so what's up next then for um for them or for for, for who we're, what we're gonna talk to talk about uh let's see i mean we kind of covered all of the big ones i mean joe ingles going back to utah i thought that's a, a great signing for utah i mean joe ingles was is in demand um, Nene coming back to the Rockets. Uh, he actually, this is funny. Um, so he had agreed to a four year, $15 million deal, but because his birthday is 12 days too early, he actually falls under the over 38 rule. So he can't sign that contract. So they had to alter the, the agreement. They switch it from four years, 15 to three years, 11 million, literally 12 days cost him $4 million, which wow. is just, yeah, it's, 
How Man. old do you have to be then to, to get that? So you can't sign a contract that carries you past 38. And basically, he's 35. And Wait, so, you, what do you, yeah. I don't understand. You mean once you turn 38, you can only do like one-year deals or what? Yeah. Why? Who did that? Who was in it's, charge It's of in that? a new CBA. Well, it used to be, it was 36, and then they changed it to 38. Oh, so they bumped, okay. the, they bumped the age up. This is, a, this is the, you know, using the CBA to protect these billionaire owners, man, from themselves. Wow. Think, okay. think about the time when, when guys were getting seven-year deals. I mean, you know, this yeah. is this is what that is all about. So, uh, yeah, he, it, it's really, I mean, it's really kind of funny that, that this happened. Because, I mean, think about the Rockets and how on top of the CBA and the salary cap they are. And they didn't even realize it until they were trying to do this deal with the league. And then, you know, they were doing their due diligence on the contract and they realized, no, he, he Wait, misses that mean, cutoff oh, sorry, by 12 days. No, no, no. This, no, the Rockets. You just about, for Ingles? I'm talking about Nene. Nene oh, signing. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. We were talking about sorry. Ingles, though. Yeah, I, was, I just said it was a good signing. Okay, never mind. I, oh, I yeah, had I just moved Ingles, on really quickly. Because Ingles is no, not there 35. No, 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 no. There wasn't much to say about Ingles because Ingles, he's going back to, to right. Utah. Well, and no, I, there's I a lot to say fine. about Joe, the Ingles signing. Well, he's a good player. Well, no, but that too. But um, that it, it basically guarantees that Hayward comes back to Utah, doesn't it? Oh no 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 no! No yeah, way! Yeah, they're they're like they're best buds. Um, they do you know, commercials together. Yeah, I mean, apparently George Hill and and Hayward are really good buddies. I don't I don't think Ingles coming back makes Hayward come back. I, I just don't I don't think the two are connected. I'll I'll say this: I don't know who Hayward's uh, representatives are, but they're not a peep has come out about his intentions. There has been no leak whatsoever. I, I don't know anything. Um, he met today with Boston, met yesterday with Miami, tomorrow in San Diego. He'll be meeting with the Jazz, and apparently he's going to ruin the 4th of July for all of us because that's that's about when he's going to you know make his decision. So, um, yeah, kudos to them for, for keeping their trap shut, but I don't think that the Ingles coming back is going to mean that, that he's coming back. Yeah, you heard it here first, folks. That, I'm breaking that, that news that Hayward's going oh. back to Utah. There you go. There we go. Uh, now that said, they they brought him over to Fenway today. We had some somebody was in a random hotel room that could see over the uh, into the stadium and they could see the video that they were playing for Hayward to recruit him, uh, which is also funny because someone's like, you know, coach, they uh, they already have Rudy Gay's locker all set up in the OKC, and I kind of had to say, well, yeah, it's kind of like what they probably do for every free agent. They make up a plaque placard, they put in the you know they can show them this is going to be your locker right next to us. Like you know they, they you know so people were kind of getting a, probably a little bit too excited about that uh, their prospects. Although it does feel like Rudy Gay probably should just go to OKC. That should work as long as they have, they have the money that he's happy with. Yeah, and there, there was a rumor there that if Iguodala was leaving, that the Warriors would be interested. I, I mean, I don't think he's as good of a fit on the Warriors as he would be in, in OKC and in OKC, he, he probably gets some touches. I mean, you know, he get, definitely would get some open shots. Um, so they better hope they get him cause they, they really need someone of that ilk if he's going to be healthy. I, I mean, again, coming, I mean, he's what 30 oh, and boy. he's coming off. Yeah, I know. Here I go again. Um, I just need to have the age list. Uh, he, uh, coming off the Achilles injury though, yeah. Um, yeah, he's no, 30 it, years old. It's it's a it, it's a problem, and you know he's he already had he didn't look the same as he had you know earlier in his career as it was anyway fit or whatever the reason being. But uh, yeah, he's 30, oh, just just about 31 years yeah, he'll old. Yeah, be 31 by the start of next season. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, but either way, it's like it, it kind of depends on what OKC really wants to do because 
you know, if they want to keep Russ, then they have to get someone. Yeah, like, but Rudy Gay is probably not going to be it no matter what. So uh, it, I don't know. I, I guess I'd be surprised. The real question is, like, how well can they do with this Paul George, you know, and, and uh, well, like we talked about their starting five. It just doesn't feel like they're going to be any better than last year, M- maybe a little bit. And so if that's the case, you know, I don't, I, 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 it sounds like Russ probably wouldn't want to stay either way. But that's also kind of sad because they did these moves and they're really trying to make it happen. And then they don't quite bump up. Uh, who knows? Right. Uh, like, hopefully we'll know, you know, this week. I mean, he's either going to sign this extension or he's going to get dealt. And yeah. that's that's where I'm at. I mean, it really like it, it, there's there's no way that that OKC can just let him walk. And I feel the same way about Paul George. Now, with that being said, this is another reason why this is such a great trade by Presti. If if he's going to lose both of these guys, they are better trade chips than what he sent out to get Paul George. So he stands to benefit quite a bit. I mean, is it crazy to think that? He could work out a deal with the Lakers for Paul George and Russell Westbrook and not get Lonzo, Brandon Ingram. You, you know what I mean? Like that's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good deal on his part if he were to work something like that out. And and I have no doubt that the Lakers would be open to something along those lines because they instantly would become, you know, somewhat competitive. So yeah. So you got you have to look at the winning percentage of the OKC at the for the first two months of the season because if it looks clear that they're going to be, you know, if they're not going to crack the top five or six, then yeah, I have to imagine they're, they, they're going to feel that they needed to pull the trigger on, on, a, on a rush trade. Um, and, and that wouldn't be a bad thing for them. They, you know, they, could, they could reload and get a, a lot of stuff for him. Um, and, and Paul George, yeah. So that would be an interesting thing. Like, is, if it's a, is that what you're saying? It would be a package to the Lakers? Well, I'm just, no, I'm just totally speculating here that if, if – Russ doesn't re doesn't resign the DVPE here if he yeah. doesn't extend. Then, is there a possibility that they could coax the Lakers into doing something like trading Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram? I mean, that would be that's like ideal scenario for OKC if they're going to lose Russ and Paul George. Paul yeah. George is not staying if Russ doesn't stay. Yeah, so. I, I would. I, you know, I don't see how Russ ever fits in with what Luke Walton likes to run on offense, and that would be a problem as well. So that might be a thing that they're like, yeah, maybe we, we wouldn't want to even do that ultimately. I don't Paul, think so. Paul George, but not Russ. What? I, I don't know about that. I think the Lakers would jump at the chance to get those two guys. I just think they would. I mean, mo- look, most teams would, and most teams should. Let's find out how how well uh, Alonzo Ball does. So that's I think that's also a big key. If he if he takes the world by storm and he's like Magic Johnson out there, then then, then they don't need him, right? They wouldn't right. get him. Or, yeah. or guess what? They finally get Russ to play the right position, and he's off ball, and, uh, and then they have something. But, you know, again, it goes back to my argument about how these narratives take hold about what position these guys think they should be playing, and the team's going to let him do it, and, and, you know, here we are. It's, it's a fascinating, you know, discussion. Right. Fantastic discussion, Dave. Uh, this will be outdated by, uh, by tomorrow, but we'll see what, <laughs> We'll see what happens. But at any rate, hopefully nothing will happen tonight, and then by tomorrow this will be fresh. So uh, thanks for coming on. We'll have to check in again, and we'll do emergency periscopes and YouTubes as we need uh, this week. Uh, Hopefully it's not going to be too crazy around the 4th of July, but we'll never know. So, Dave, uh, thanks. Any other thing you want to leave us with before we go? No. Just everyone have a a nice Independence Day. You know, be safe. Don't do anything stupid like play with fireworks. Right. Well, yeah, my neighborhood, they've been playing with fireworks for the last month, so... Uh, Anyhow, all right, well, anyway, thanks you, Dave, for coming in. Thank you guys for all joining us. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? You in, Dave? Yes, I am.